When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcoming in, making sure everything is going here, but we're here for the Patriots post-game show uh, slash eulogy. Uh, This is it. Uh, What we've kind of known for a couple of weeks now has finally uh, officially come to fruition and conclusion. The Patriots are officially eliminated uh, from playoff contention after a loss to the Miami Dolphins this afternoon uh, down in Miami. Uh, That's it. Patriots are 6-8. and There will be no postseason. It's the first time they failed to make the playoffs since the 2008 season in which Tom Brady blew out his ACL uh, in game one. And that was the Matt Castle year. They still finished 11 and five that year, not making the playoffs this year. Eight and eight is the best case scenario. Evan Lazar, that'll be the first time they don't finish above 500 since 2000. Uh, Really an unbelievable run of success here. Um, As much as we're going to spend time criticizing i'm sure burying certain aspects of this team and what they've done i know there's going to be some angry people you do want to take one second and just kind of tip your hat uh to this team and what they've done and accomplished over this span of time it really is remarkable it is officially at an end and this really does feel like an end you know uh very definitive here uh in this loss to miami so there's a couple big storylines in addition to the game itself and some stuff we want to talk about going forward. Uh, a a big-time injury to Stefan Gilmore. We don't know. It could He could have avoided a catastrophe. We're not sure yet. Um, but let's just get into the game itself, Evan. Um, uh, just an amalgamation of some bad stuff we've seen from this team all season long kind of coming to fruition, ultimately resulting uh, in a 22-12 to loss uh, to the Dolphins. So let's just start with uh the game itself and i think obviously uh the the run defense is going to be a a culprit here right run defense last two weeks has just been atrocious and i thought last week was a really good plan by sean mcveigh and a lot more to do maybe with scheme and game plan against the run defense than just actual bodies not being able to plug gaps today it was just kind of man on man and getting manhandled at the line of scrimmage by miami but back to your original point about tipping the cap i'm honestly a little bit relieved that we can stop faking it for the last two games of the year that this team was actually going to go anywhere any this year or was actually competitive at any point of making the playoffs or anything like that i think that even though bill belichick's i'm sure very disappointed that his team is not going to the postseason it's in a lot of ways i think a good thing for bill too to say okay we are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs like there's no point in starting cam anymore there's no point in playing john simon over anthony jennings there's no point in you know making those types of decisions anymore to try to win a football game these next two games are preseason this is let's study the roster let's get a good feel for what we have going into next year let's make some decisions hopefully again about some younger players you know does stidham have starter upside does he have starter potential or is that a complete waste at this point i think that in a lot of ways 
there's there's probably a good thing to come out of this that this team didn't go on some fool's gold type of run down the stretch here to make everybody think that they were going to make a play for the playoffs or be in contention down the stretch where in reality this is a very flawed team in a very flawed season that ultimately needs to use these last two games of the year to find out some things about some of their younger players Beyond that, I mean, not just find out, but I mean, the reality of the situation is not only you want to find stuff out about people, you really actually want to lose these games. And and again, no one ever wants to use the T word when associated with this team uh, yeah. in terms of tanking. You don't want to tank, but ultimately, if you come out with L's here, that's not a bad thing uh, with, with these guys because uh, we're looking at draft position now. You're looking at um, possibly delving into a quarterback market uh, next year in order to do that you're going to probably need a top 12 pick to do so you're looking at uh, a dynamite receiver class potentially where you could really right some wrongs here uh, addressing yeah, the position a couple of times potentially uh, if you wanted to do that let's say you didn't you couldn't take a swing at, at the quarterback that you wanted maybe you do something there um, so there's certainly uh, things there a six and ten team is going to have a much much better draft slot than an eight and eight team so that's certainly something that we're going to want to consider and look at as well um, you know let's get into a little bit of game specific stuff Evan and again obviously uh, you know, run defense is a thing I don't think it matters much in the long run, but this was uh, for, a, for against a Dolphins team that really doesn't rush the ball that well. This was fairly surprising. Well, I just think it comes back to the fact that really all year long, I, I've kind of thought that flying under the radar was the Patriots' lack of first and down, first and second down edge defenders, guys that can really set a sturdy edge. If that's the scheme that they're going to continue to run moving forward, and they're not going to go to some of these one gapping, penetrating style defenses that we see more and more across the NFL, if they're going to stick to this two gapping style, they are going to have to upgrade at edge this offseason, whether it's a guy in free agency that they bring right. in or someone like that. And I think last year, with Van Noy and Collins and, and so on and so forth. I think we got uh, a little bit, I, I don't know. I think Bill thought that he could plug and play certain guys there, like a Simon, like some of the rookies, some, like a Winovich, and it just hasn't really worked out that way. So, Not yet. I, yeah, and, and that I think has been – the linebacker level is a problem too. I think really the whole front seven needs an upgrade in a lot of spots and they could use a nose tackle. Certainly that could eat up some blocks in the middle along with Lawrence guy, but not being able to set the edge of the defense and really failing multiple times and doing that today. That was a big, big problem for them against the Rams as well. It's been a problem all year. The Niners game when the Niners ran all over them, that was often off the edge or attacking those edge defenders. So guys like John Simon, you know, he's a great Patriot. He's that that lunch pail type of guy, bring the hard hat to work, all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, that player maybe works out a little bit better when you have a Dante Hightower and you have a Kyle Van Noy and you have Jamie Collins and you have guys on the defensive line that can defeat blocks. And now when they don't have that talent around a John Simon, he's easily exposed and is somebody that's a little bit, you know, more in the conversation as like a regular every down player. Winovich has been a major concern on the edge setting the setting the edge of the defense against the run we all want to talk about why Winovich isn't playing why Winovich isn't playing well that big 35 yarder you can yeah. see that's why Winovich isn't playing he got bullied right off the ball he doesn't do enough things well yet you know I mean right. that is what it is 
Right. And, and that's just it. This front seven of the defense was a concern going into the year. It was a concern all season long. And then it kind of figured itself out in certain matchups against Baltimore, against Arizona. Uh, they had some good run defense games, but the big picture and large picture is that the run defense in the front seven needs a lot of uh fine tuning in the off season. That's for sure. All right, let's switch over. Let's get into Cam Newton because uh, that's the meat and potatoes. It basically dominates every single show and every single uh, conversation that we've had all season long. Uh, Cam Newton, here we are. Uh, it was another one of those games where, and again, we talked about this offline before we started Evan and you defended him on Twitter. The, I, I said the word fine. I think that that word yes. gets. But I do believe that that is the the right assessment of Cam Newton, not just this game, but almost every game and the entire season with, you know, some up, some down. But for the most part, the reason they're losing is not Cam Newton, but he's certainly not doing enough to help the situation. Um, and this was another example of it today, which is you're not going to point to Cam as the reason they lost. But perhaps a different quarterback would have great greater success than Cam Newton had to. You can say that about a lot of performances. He's always leaves some plays on the table. He makes some plays. What I'm not sure is if we've started grading Cam on a curve here, Evan, where he makes plays that a professional quarterback should make. We check the box as a positive instead of a got to make that play. And then I don't know if we're we're not grading him harshly enough when he doesn't do the things he's supposed to do. And again, that you're always going to quibble over throws the throw to Harry, the throw to Asiasi. Was it perfect? No. Was it catchable? Yes. You know, so blame seems to kind of fall on multiple in multiple places. Did the line hold up long enough for him to set his feet? But at the end of the day, the quarterback is the quarterback and cam today, as he has pretty much all season was kind of meh. That's a great description. And when I said, fine, that's sort of what I meant by it. It meh, you know, he was he the reason they lost today? No, but he also didn't elevate the team to get them into into the end zone a couple more times to win the football game. So that that's a big part of the quarterback play, right? Is elevating what's around you. And I think the little things with Cam that you that come up in games like this when you're really, you know, we we go over these things with fine tooth combs and we really really nitpick a whole lot of it. And I think the main thing that you see with Cam and his struggles in the passing game are that every, not every throw, but a lot of his throws are the ball placement is just a little bit off, which either throws off the timing in the play or it throws off an opportunity to run with the ball after the catch. And I think the most important, you know, kind of the biggest example of this was that Jacoby Myers fumble where he's crossing over the middle. It's a classic Yankee concept post crosser, right? They get it to work. They get the crosser open and Cam throws the ball behind Jacoby Myers. Yep. Myers has to adjust back to it. And then right. And then the ball gets punched out. If Cam leads Myers into that crossing route, then there's a ton of yak there for Cam for him to keep running. Nikhil Harry at the beginning of the game, he's looking for a back shoulder and Cam throws it front shoulder up the field right to up the, his upfield shoulder and then now Nikhil's contorting his body and trying to pull and, off like a one-handed catch to make the play and that's He's why really, you criticize Nikhil there but it's ultimately you're like Jesus get up for the ball but he first had to change right. direction before he could leap and that's why he got two inches off the ground I think the throw to Keen was similar um yeah 
late in the game too, where that ball's put in a place where Keen's got to go up like this a little bit, where right. if you put it in a different spot, he can run under it or he can go straight up and make a play. But right. that's another situation there that it's not ideal ball placement. Right. And that's, that's a big part uh, of any offense, but especially this Patriot offense is yards after catch. And if you're not putting the ball in good places for the runner to the, for the ball carrier to then go and make that catch and then run with it, then, then that's really a detriment to your entire offense. So, you know, you have the Jacoby Myers play, you have the Nikhil Harry play early in the game, the Devin Asiasi play. It's a catch that you would like to see Asiasi make, but it's also a rifle uh, back here behind, you know, a little bit behind him from about five yards away he's throwing the fastball instead of the changeup, right and, and that's a big problem too is kind of throwing with touch to the middle to the underneath part of the field if he just puts that ball lightly like a pillow on Asiasi and lets Asiasi run with it there's all sorts of green right there's all sorts of room there but instead it's a tough catch for Asiasi it goes right through his hands and and that play goes dead and and these little plays add up in the course of the game where the receiver doesn't get a chance to get into a yak opportunity or the ball is just off the outside shoulder instead of the inside shoulder and these little things start to add up to misplays missed opportunities for the offense and I think that that's the issue with Cam as the quarterback of this team Cam makes some good plays that play that he uh, found James White on third down made a guy miss in the pocket was able to kind of create out of structure uh, he hit on that third and 15 at the mere bird I thought that that was one of his better throws in the last couple of weeks those are good throws by a quarterback but the inconsistencies with the ball placement is really a concern there's also some where he short hops the receiver by six yards and you're like what was that Sometimes you know i feel like those might be more throwaways than kind of actual, yeah. you know he sees the defenders right on top of the guy and he's just like you know let's live this play another down you know he missed myers again for a touchdown behind the yep. defense earlier on in the game where myers was it's a tough throw to make but that's a throw that you want to see the quarterback make and i think time and time again i keep on hearing myself say that it's a tough throw, but a good quarterback makes it, right? A good quarterback puts that ball in a place where Myers at least has a chance to get it in bounds. The ball was out the back of the end zone, almost hit the at the back of the uh, of the wall there behind the end zone where the stands start. You know, that, that's not a throw that, that gives Myers any sort of chance to make a play on it. Say, the Dalton Keene one you pointed out, you know, that's a play that you would like to see it just a little bit lower so that Keene can go up with both hands instead of just one hand and try to pick it up off the top of the defender's head and Instead, it's just a little bit too high, and it causes Keen to really go up for it. I don't know. These types of little differences, these inches, it's really what we're talking about, is a difference between a really good quarterback and, a, and a, you know what we've gotten out of Cam. And if that's the type of player that he is now, or maybe that's the type of player he's always been, it's just an inefficient way to pass the football because clearly there are plays, and I could pick out four or five plays from this game and say, hey, Cam played pretty well. You know, these are some pretty good throws that Cam is making. But then at the same time, you know, there's so many yards that get left on the field because of the little intricacies of ball placement, timing, anticipation, you know, just those types of football things. And it's just not it's not working in this offense for Cam. So I think moving forward, there's a bigger picture conversation to be talked about of whether or not this style of offense is going to work for anybody not named Tom Brady, right? It's something that involves That's this, the much, best point, this Evan. much thinking, that, this much, yeah. That's what I think is, again, you just, you had not just generational, you had a one-in-a-kind one type of player who could do this 
and maybe only he could do this. I mean, we're not talking there's only a few out there in the league. There's almost no one that can do what Tom Brady did uh, for this team and for this offense for 20 years. It is, it's ludicrous. I totally agree to think that you can just plug somebody else in and run this offense when there's so much pre-snap that has to happen. There's so many quick instant reactions you have to make. You have to get through your reads so quickly. There's all of these option routes. You have to be on the same page, this telepathic connection with your receivers. In, in, in order for it to work, there has to be absolute trust there. It is asking a ton of anybody to do this. It's just, right. In the same way, it's asking a ton of an extremely talented group of receivers in Tampa Bay to do the to to do what Tom Brady wants them to do. It is not an easy thing to do. So here, I think there's no chance that they can run this type of offense. You have to, and that's what's so strange is the the one thing that's perplexed me about this season more than anything else is. Um, Belichick has always been better than everybody at playing to the strengths of his team uh, and molding whatever schemes that they're going to run around their personnel, not saying not one of those teams that's we run four, three, and that's what we do. We do this and that's what we do. We're always in 11. Per- they, they like to mix it up. And in this, I, I, it, they would do it a little, and then they would always default back to their old kind of offense. Right. And I think the biggest thing is, is that it, it's a, the quarterback position inherently is the hardest position to play on the team, right? In the, but- in the world. Right, but in it's this the hardest offense, position in sports. Right, in this offense, we talk a lot about how hard it is to play this off in this offense as a wide receiver or as a tight end because of all the option routes. Well, the wide receivers and tight ends only have to worry about their own option route, right? So what Cam has to do is he has to get a look at the defense pre-snap, get an idea from the pre-snap kind of communication and, and what he's seeing from the shell pre-snap to think, okay, this is probably how this play is going to play out. Then once the ball is snapped, if there's a rotation or if it's something different, then they have to go ahead and figure that out. And he's got to figure out where all five guys are going, not just one guy. If you're a wide receiver and you go out there and you say, oh, I just have to convert my route from this to that because of the coverage. Well, Cam has to think about that times five every single time he drops back to pass. And on top of that is, I think, a big thing what you said was also how they like to roll through a, lot, a bunch of different personnel groupings. They like to run a different style of offense, just a little bit of tweaks here and there every single week to be a game plan oriented offense. If you look at the offenses that are QB friendly, that are easy for the quarterback to run, it's Sean McVay's offense, it's Kyle Shanahan's offense, right? And those offenses are pretty much the same every single week. And they have route adjustments and they have site adjustments and things like that, just like the Patriots do. But it's a lot more like, if it's not here, it's there, right? And it's it's a lot more A and B instead of A, B, C, D. And I think that this offense gets so complex and has such a big birth of things that they can do because with Brady, they could be whoever they wanted to be every single week. They could say, hey, Tom, you know, this week, the best way for us to win this game is to run 21 personnel under center and you to throw off a of play action. And the next week we could say, hey, Tom, the best way for us to win this week is to go five wide and tempo and have you an empty and, they and do just it. take the ball out quickly. Yeah. And they could do it. That's not how you can be, whether it's Cam or Stidham or some rookie quarterback or another guy that they bring in, that you can't do that with any of those guys. And especially if it's a young quarterback like Stidham or a rookie, they are going to have to really dumb down this offense a whole lot. And I would just like to see from a philosophical standpoint, them go more towards a foundational system where you do something every single week that's kind of 
you know, a, something you can hang your hat on. And I think too often in this season and even in 2019 at times, they really didn't have anything as an offense that they could say, hey, let's throw out the game plan and let's just go back to day one install type of stuff and let's see what works, right? And, and they haven't really had that. And I so I think if you look at a lot of offenses around the league, and it's not to take away from those quarterbacks, but even like a Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, that's a system that has a foundation to it. They run a package of plays every single week that are solid foundation of plays that they know that they can run at a high level. This team right. does not have plays that they can know that they can run at a high level. No. And that's the thing is you, you get a game like this and you get down and you're like, what are they going to do? You know, right. like you just don't really have that thing where you're like, okay, let's just start blank. You know, um, again, you think it was running the ball and again, they didn't do poorly today. So I thought Sony stepped in fine for, for Damian Harris. There's just no consistency. And again, when the team doesn't respect anything that you're going to do down the field, uh, it's really difficult to um, sustain drives and get things moving. Um, and, you know, it just offense was, was overall putrid today. We're going to get into, I want to quickly give a shout out to our sponsor. Uh, so give me a split second here, Evan. We're, we're talking uh, Legends, Legends brand. This is apparel and it's pretty comfy um, i didn't get any because nick never sends me any stuff but um, other people in the company have and it, it i'm very jealous um it's uh one of the best uh, men's athletic brand uh, apparel brands it's based in los angeles high quality products uh features that you would expect as an athlete style and comfort for all day wear um the it, the Hawthorne Tech hoodie is one of the things that they're pressing right now. This is a great holiday gift. It's uh, for joggers uh, or just honestly to wear around the house. It's super comfy. Won't break the bank. Uh, top athletic brands charging over 100. Here it's 75 plus. You get a discount if you go to legendsbrand.com backslash Horford. That's like Horford, like Big Al Horford. Use the code Horford20 to get 20% off your next purchase. Once again, legendsbrand.com backslash Horford. Use the code Horford20 to get 20% off uh, your next purchase. So, um, Evan, uh, we can keep going here on Cam if you want a little bit. I mean, I think ultimately this is going to – I think everyone's brain is going to break here if they don't see Stidham the next two games, uh, you know, and, and again, it, it would be just, it would stubbornness beyond kind of the justification or the ability to, for anybody to comprehend why at this point you would bother you, you, you all the things you mentioned early in the show, you forget the vets, play some kids, see what you got. And for the love of, I mean, you have to figure out if Stidham, can even be a backup level quarterback going forward, you know, because I mean, look, what are you going to do next year? If you draft a quarterback or you go sign another one is cam the backup. You at least have to make sure that Stidham is rosterable at this point, or right. if he's, if he is better than whatever next guy you're going to go get out there in free agency. And again, we've heard all the names and rumors at this point, Matt Stafford, uh, as a trade, uh, Carson Wentz, who wants out of Philly now. I mean, there's names out there. So we are going to go over that this week. I know we're going to do a series on potentially the next quarterback, but now there's just one thing to do. And it's obviously play Stidham. It's obviously play Stidham. And look, I, I would like to 
watch the all 22 from this game before I finally make this my, my final take on Cam Newton. I, I just don't think it's worked here. And he's a great guy and, and he's a great teammate and he can still run and he's still athletic and he's still a big dude in the pocket and he's hard to get down at times and he can be elusive. And uh, it's, I enjoyed watching him play at times this year. That That's definitely true. And I, I think that he's taken a lot of unnecessary flack for an offense that was really never built to win in this season, you know, from a receiver standpoint and all the way down to the quarterback, to everybody, it just wasn't an offense that was built for a quarterback to have success in. And Tom Brady basically told you that when he left for Tampa Bay, you know, he, he knew that this offense wasn't going anywhere this year, but I think from a stylistic standpoint, it just had was always an odd fit that they were trying to see if it was going to work. I think that we found out in these, what, 14 games that he's, started uh, or whatever it ended up being this is not a stylistic fit for the Patriots in any sort of way and, and I think with the next quarterback and, and Stidham hopefully can do this maybe a little bit more but I think that you have to start to really focus in on the two most important things about quarterback play which are timing anticipation and also obviously ball placement and downfield accuracy. If you have a quarterback that continuously puts your receivers in no win situations, I don't care who's out there. It doesn't, it doesn't ultimately matter if it's going to be Jacoby Myers or if it's going to be Allen Robinson, you know, it's, it's not going to make a difference. So I think that that's the biggest thing that, from my takeaway from this game is that even in a game where cam wasn't the biggest problem where i thought that he actually made some pretty good throws and, and played basically what i said fine uh, on the whole they didn't score a touchdown and they lost the game by 10 points it he, it's just not good enough and the quarterback play all year hasn't been good enough and it's it stinks because he was a really fun guy to have in the locker room to have around he's a great teammate but it just isn't a fit here i don't think yeah, and then, then I think that's the thing is uh, there's a lot of questions about whether, again, you're bringing Cam back no matter what next year and then figuring it out from there, whether you draft a quarterback or not. I, I don't know whether it's worth it simply because, and again, this is the debate we've had all year. Are they better with Cam versus Stidham or someone else? Probably, possibly. I don't know. But it, you, it's certainly an argument can be made. And if in Bill's uh best judgment that was the case then it's probably the case but we've talked about it the ceiling is capped you know what you have and after 14 games i think it's a large enough sample size to know you 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 can throw out the no preseason the little covid break where that messed up his rhythm and timing uh and it took a little while to pull that back and just come to the conclusion that this is as you said not not the right fit it's not the right fit if this is the type of offense they want to be. Maybe it could be a little bit more of a better fit if they got more vertical and, and got rid of some of the timing stuff and just were kind of opening it up and throwing the ball down the field. But like I said, if you're going to be an offense that's predicated on a lot of yards after the catch and putting the receivers in opportunities to run with the football, it, it's just going to be too difficult with a quarterback like Cam that has too inconsistent accuracy there. The thing is, is that's crazy is, is we mentioned the, the Aussie Aussie play. We mentioned the Nikhil Harry play, those, those kind of drops. Those are, those are drops, but, but those are catchable throws that are not actually where the ball needs to be. And we see that way too often with Cam where the ball is catchable. It's in the area of the receiver for him to be, 
could to come down with it, but it's just not in the right spot for it to be the most successful play. And I think that there's some issues there with Stidham too in that regard. Also, that yeah, the ball's around the receiver. Yeah, it's a it, it's it's a catchable throw technically, but it, it's not exactly in the best spot for the player to then go ahead and make a play on it. And then that's something that we need to be able to do in this offense. But what we what we know what we don't know is given a full week of reps with the starters and getting to run the full playbook, um, what Jared Stidham could potentially do. You don't know. It could be awful, you know, right. but you don't know. Again, it's 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 really hard to judge people in relief appearances. Um, coming in cold late in the game when uh, they've taken virtually no starter reps. I mean, that's – that. That's not a recipe for success. So I think everyone's going to point to, oh, wow, just basically like a third of his passes go to the other team. Sure, I guess. But again, it's just it's not fair to judge there. You got to give him the whole game. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. That's why we got to see it these next two weeks. Honestly, it's more exciting from everybody's perspective to see what they have with Stidham over these next two games to actually be able to sink your teeth into something that actually matters for the future moving forward to see some of these young guys play and be able to see Stidham out there, I think would be a big sort of, uh, you know, way to end the season, probably honestly bigger than them trying to sneak into the playoffs and be the seven seed and lose, you know, to Kansas City in the first round. I mean, what good would that have done for this team? either so it ultimately that's what they need to take on these next two weeks to do is to start Stidham figure out what they have at all with Stidham I know the kind of the feeling in the building or behind closed doors is that he hasn't exactly impressed anybody this this season and he hasn't necessarily been a guy that's been super eager to, to try to take that starting job from Cam because there was a time right when Cam came back from COVID and then had a few game bad games following that there was a time where Stidham had an open door. You know, there was an opportunity for Stidham to to take that job. That That's what people inside the building are saying, is that they had a chance to turn this over to Stidham if Stidham had shown them something in practice to really earn those types of opportunities. And he just never took the bull by the horns. You know, he, he never took it in camp. He didn't take it during the season. I think the Patriots just kind of saw him as a guy that was comfortable being the backup and just sort of going through the motions. And then it got to the point, too, where you're in the season and he's doing a lot of scout team stuff and he's not necessarily running with the ones during practice and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, I think the thing that you see with Cam is that the accuracy down the field, even in a good a game today where I thought he was pretty accurate for the most part. This wasn't a game where he had a ton of terrible throws like against Arizona, for example, or, or something like that. But it's just those little margins that you have to look at as a quarterback and say, Hey, you know, if it's behind them instead of in front of them, if it's inside shoulder instead of outside shoulder, if it's up the field instead of back shoulder throw, you know, those are the types of plays that this offense feasts off of. That's how they live off of. And if that's going to be the quarterback play that they're going to get in terms of accuracy and ball placement, then they're going to struggle. All right. We need to take a quick pause to tell everybody about our sponsor, betonline.ag, our exclusive wagering partner. NFL football continues on. Few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And while you might not be able to be at the games this year, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. 
No matter how schedules change or which players play or don't play, BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest, updated odds in the industry. There's always more options to wager than anywhere right here at BetOnline. So head to BetOnline today, that's BetOnline.ag, and take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Just use the code CLNS50 for 50% back on your first deposit once again. CLNS50 for a 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I haven't seen anything from Bill after the game. Um, but uh, again, I think that this would be, I don't, I don't believe he would make this decision uh, and announce it to the media after the game. I haven't seen Evan, whether he's doubled down. He has in the past, before we've even gotten to the Stidham-Newton argument in our post-game shows, he's doubled down and said, Cam's the guy. I didn't see that coming out of post game yet today. Yeah, I mean, what's the point, right? I mean, what's the point in making Cam the guy the rest of the season? Even if you think that he might be back next year, I still don't really see the point in in wasting time with it at this point. And uh, I don't know. It's just a. It, it was not a good fit. It felt like it could have been a good fit at, at one point in the beginning part of the season, first two games, or, you know, kind of in the off season when you start to talk yourselves into some things like this, where, oh, well, now they can be really run game heavy and they can get into yeah. some option football type of stuff. And maybe they make some changes here schematically. And they have, you know, they have adapted a lot to, to what Cam was able to do well this season at times, but it just, it was way too much of a change, right? It was just too big of a shift in a season where there was a pandemic and there was no off season and he came in late and training camp wasn't a thing really. It was just way too much to completely change the foundation of the system. And it just, it's, it's a tough one because you, you were rooting for cam, you know, you really were, but it it just hasn't worked out. Yeah. Um, And everyone here again, I, I know there's now it's funny, just the, just the flow of uh, you know all of the post game shows when when it looked like everything was going to going to going in the crapper season everyone wanted the tank then they get the six and six and everyone got a little excited like maybe they can sneak into the playoffs here and that would be good for morale and you know a good boost going forward now we're back into the why did we win those games we could yeah. have lost because the draft pick this is the reality patriots if they finish with likely seven wins are going to be dead middle of the pack in the draft they're going to be right now. They're somewhere in the 13, 14, 15, 16 range. If they beat the Jets the last week of the season, which you expect that they will, um, they're going to probably fall even further down into um, six, 16, 17, 18. You're not getting your franchise quarterback there more likely. The top four or five are going to be gone. And now you're going to be talking about where else do you go or do you move up if you if you see your guy. It's going to dominate the offseason, uh, what they can and can't do. But that's where they are. So we're not going to sit here and say, who are they picking at 18 today? But a lot of people are really curious whether they can still get a guy. I mean, what do you think? Let's just ask that one question. Can they get a guy? What does it take to get from where they're going to be into somewhere where they can take a quarterback that might be one of those franchise guys? You know, usually in every draft, there's a quarterback that falls to that eight to 12 range that maybe they thought was going to be a top five pick going in. And he ultimately slips a little bit like a Deshaun Watson, for example, you know, slipped to what I think it was 10 or 11. Mahomes Mahomes was more of a, I would say at the time, um, actually a reach, honestly, from based off of his college tape from what the Chiefs were were looking at. But I, I think the biggest thing for this offense to me still comes back to the fact that we can talk about the quarterback 
all we want. If this is this if this is the cast of characters that any quarterback is throwing to, if, if they're going to put a rookie out there, if let's if they're going to put Trey Lance out there with Jacoby Myers and Nikhil Harry and Demir Bird and Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, and yeah, maybe those guys, those tight ends, make a, a nice jump up in year two. Maybe you know uh, Jacoby Myers continues to progress. Demir Bird's had some moments and certainly has some speed brings to it Nikhil Harry maybe he gets a little bit better and we can kind of talk don't don't, don't, do start. <laughs> don't, don't it, do that to it's people. silly right it's silly <laughs> it, it's it's just absolutely silly to think that that's going to happen so I just don't see how any they're putting any quarterback right now whether it's a first round guy whether it's Matthew Stafford whether it's anybody besides maybe Dak Prescott who's just so damn good that maybe maybe he can do it I don't see how any quarterback is going to succeed with what they have around them currently. So if this offseason to me is a lot more about the pass catchers around the QB, because to me, I would like to see the Patriots become a team similar to the Rams or the Niners or, or, or some of these other teams where the quarterback position is not the most important part of your offense. It's not the most important player on your offense. Your offense's strength is really the guys around the quarterback and the quarterback's just kind of a trigger finger to kind of get the ball where it needs to go. I think that that's a lot better sort of path than thinking that they're going to get another Tom Brady or they're going to get another all pro quarterback in here, MVP caliber guy out of the draft or wherever it ends up being. It, it, just look at the hit rate and that's in the success rate and doing that is just extremely low. And, and I think if you look at a player like Mahomes, it'd probably be great no matter what, but it did help that he had Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. And he came into the league as a first year starter and he had and three all pro guys. adding weapons. They go out and they right. get, Hardman, they get Robinson, they're adding they, they get Sammy, they, they get right. And and that that to me, I think is a much bigger conversation. The Patriots hit it once and then leave it, you right. know. And you got to take a lot of stabs at this. You know, you really want to see you'd like to see receivers in the top two rounds two to three years in a yeah. row, you know, because you know you're gonna have a Harry in there, but you might also get a Metcalf. Got to you gotta take a few shots at that to get your impact guy. You're not gonna you, you don't hit one time every time. I just feel like when you look at this Patriots pass catching depth chart, I actually feel like they've found the depth guys. It's the top end of the roster guys that they don't have. I think Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird and Nikhil Harry are a good three fours. Fine two through four right there, right? Not a even two. two. Don't say two. Right. They're a fine two through four if you have a legitimate tight end and a number one option at wide receiver. I mean, if you're – any one I, of those guys would be one of the worst twos in the league. I think they'd be. I think they'd be fine, though. I, I really do, and I. I think that they, ultimately that's more realistic than thinking that they're going to upgrade the one and the two and the tight end position. That that's a lot to be had right there. So if you can bring in and draft a- through free agency, you can do it all in one fell swoop. Okay, this is what people you want to do it fast. Let's say you want to dress weapons this year and it's a dynamite wide receiver class. You draft it in the first round, the second round, you get a free agent and then and then go. OK, and then you then you could put a mediocre quarterback like a Stidham or the next guy off a free agent who's a little bit more of a thrower in with with weapons to work with. And you're having a different conversation. I would right. be more in favor of that than reaching for a quarterback unless you're certain that it's your guy. I want to see that more than anything else uh, on this team right now. 
I just want to see the Patriots set up a guy, whoever it is, whether it's Trey Lance or it's Zach Wilson or whoever it ends up being, to set that guy up to succeed. I just don't think that if you put a rookie quarterback in into this offense no. and you haven't really upgraded much around him, I don't see how that guy's going to do any good. And then we're going to get into a situation where we're going to you know, call the quarterback a bust and say that they took the wrong guy and this, that, and the other thing when he's out there throwing to these, to, to these guys. It's a... How are you think that a rookie quarterback is going to come in here and succeed with the pass catchers that they have here, whether he's the best quarterback yet you've ever seen, you know, out of the draft or not? I, I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So it, that's ultimately what it comes down to for me is that they need to not only look at quarterback, but they need to make sure that that next guy is in a much better position than what they put Tom Brady and Cam Newton in the last two seasons because Cam, Tom Brady couldn't succeed with it. Cam couldn't succeed with it Stidham certainly can't break through with it I just don't see how any other guy is going to be able to do that and I agree and I think if you fall out of that zone where you can get a quarterback in that first round I think you go pass catcher pass catcher early in the draft uh and because you right now look areas that the Patriots like to address early you know that you see other places old line you feel fairly set there and again even if you lose a person or two you're going to lose cannon to retirement you're probably going to lose Tooney as well you're still pretty capable on the offensive line sure you can talk about edge defensive line that's always a place there but that to get the guys you need in the places you need them you have to use those early picks on on offensive weapons and you have to do it early and often uh and i think that that might be the 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 play for next season if you can't get the quarterback that you want i did want to hit on harry real quick um okay whatever another another harry game uh you know that we talked about the drop already again not much of an impact a couple of targets uh what i want to see here as much as you want to see stidham to see what he's got i also want to see a game plan where he is told before the game you must throw it in a kill harry 10 times today Okay. And I don't care if he's covered. He's your first read on X amount of plays. We have to see him fight for balls, get into a rhythm, get into a flow. We're going to get the ball in his hands. We're going to, we're going to try desperately to get the ball in his hands to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's opportunities to throw him the football a lot more than what he's been throwing. Right. With. So do it. Yeah, and, and, and I think that that's a big... You know, the one to Dalton Keene, it kind of looked to me like he was trying to go to Harry there in the slot and he, he was crossing over the post safety. And I thought that Harry had to step on his guy and had an opportunity to throw it there. But Cam kind of attacked the one on one with Keene instead. And I, I don't know. It's just it, it's a problem of if you're going to throw the ball to Nikhil, you sort of have to understand that he's not going to be open by five yards, right? He's not going to be open by two and a half yards. He's probably going to have somebody near him. He's probably going to have somebody on him and you got to throw the ball to a spot for him to make a play on the football. And there's a lot of wide receivers. You know, we get caught up, I think a lot of the time in separation and next gen stats and all that kind of stuff. There are a lot of wide receivers that don't create a ton of separation, but win at the catch point consistently all the time. And that's something that the Patriots need to sort of come to terms with, with Nikhil Harry is that he's not going to be a separator, but you have to at the same time, be willing to throw the ball up there and do something with it. I I just don't know. 
what else he can do besides playing the way that he plays the game and trying to get the offense and trying to get the quarterback to be a little bit more kind of receptive to the things that he does. But the guy that I think we really should be talking about, because we talk a lot about Harry, but Jacoby Myers is, he had a really nice game out there today against a good secondary, you know, Damian Howard, Byron Jones, you know, these, these are not scrub corners for Miami. Nick Needham's a solid slot guy. And Jacoby Myers went out there as basically the only consistent option in this offense and had 111 receiving yards and seven catches against a really good secondary. That's, that's why I said, you know, if they're your two through four, I think Myers in that Julian Edelman role is is your future slot guy. I think he's your future Edelman. I, I think you found that guy. And, I think that that's I, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, don't and, disagree there. Right. And if you found that guy, then really all you're looking at is is getting a true stud number one wide receiver or number one threat. You know, Gronk wasn't the number one guy for so many years. So it doesn't have to be a wide receiver. A cough, cough, Kyle Pitts, please. If it's not Kyle Pitts, if it's Devontae Smith, if it's not Devontae Smith, if it's somebody in the second or third round, if it's Corey Davis or Allen Robinson or uh, any Will Fuller, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what they think. But all those options, I think, next to Myers. There's Meyer, a lot of them. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's if, you're t- this, if you don't do it this year, I mean, because, again, the opportunity cost is so low. It's You have so many free agents, they can't all be paid, and you have – uh, a ton of options in that draft too. So the people who don't want to pay free agents can use them on draft picks. You, I, if you're the Patriots, you got to do both. Yeah, I think you got to go free agency at wide receiver. I've yes. been saying that a long time because you need to see a guy that succeeds doing things in the NFL that you already can tell will translate into your system. I yeah. think with these college guys, the passing offenses, the coverages that they see in college are just so much different from what you see in the pros. You see so little press man in the pro. In, the in the problem college. here with the established guy, the here's the biggest dilemma with the Patriots. You know, you would always look to. Uh, sign and or draft a guy that fit this offense and and in particular Brady you know they make a big play for Adam Humphreys you know uh, because he would have fit Brady in this offense he's the type of guy that Brady would like to throw to you don't know who you're tailoring that towards right now so I mean I think you have to just look at talent as objectively as possible without any regard for uh, who's going to be throwing the ball and say this guy is just a football player he can beat you he can win you know he, he right. does enough things where he can do anything here. Uh, I, I do think, you know, Bill and the Patriots have their type of guys, you know, and this is going to be the big dilemma heading in is does that work anymore? And not only has the game changed, has your team changed to the point that the type of guys that Bill looks at and says, that's a football player. I know it when I see it. Absolutely. That's the guy. Is that still the case? I just think the biggest thing to me with the wide receivers in the draft is I am not confident at all in their ability to one, evaluate the wide receiver position in the draft and then two, develop that guy once he gets here. Zero, 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 zero hope whatsoever that they're capable of doing that based off of what they've seen, what we've seen. I mean, it's not just the DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown conversation over Nikhil Harry. It's honestly looking at that pick and saying, 
how did they think Nikhil Harry was the best re- receiver out of that group? And Nicole Hartman, you can throw him in there too. Just how do you, as an evaluator, look at those options on the board and say, hey, you know, we actually like Nikhil Harry more than we like A.J. Brown. I, I just don't see how you can come away with that. So if they struggle so much with kind of projecting that position into their offense and into their system and into the NFL game, then just get a guy that's already proven that he's a great player at this level and let him be who he is. You know, get Corey Davis and let Corey Davis run Corey Davis type of routes, crossing routes, you know, deep verticals, things like that. Let get Allen Robinson and turn him into a contested catch guy here because that's what he's really good at. If you can do those types of things with a pro talent that's already proven himself in this league and already has things that work for him in this league, it's a much easier transition. And then at that point, you can go into the draft. I think that I am a little bit more comfortable with them taking a tight end. I definitely think that they can take a guy like Kyle Pitts and and, and no one's going to really have any problem with that. Sure. So it, it, it's just, that's to me. The that's going to kill you after blowing two picks on tight, two third rounders a year before to go right back there and, and grab it. And certainly no one's going to complain over getting someone like Pitts, but like, that's just, you know, is that acknowledging two misses right out of the, right, you know, right off the bat there? The thing with Pitts is that he, in my mind is, is a potential generational type of guy. So I don't know if you're necessarily t- taking pits as saying, Oh, Aussie, Aussie and Keen are, are, are busts, right? Because he is just such a good player and such a good prospect that it's almost like a, a pick that you have to make with a team that's so limited at, at the receiver position right now. But I, I think the ultimate thing, it, it, it's not about not valuing quarterbacks quarterback's most important position on the team it's about putting that quarterback in a position to succeed and I just don't know right now based off of what they've seen shown us over the last couple of years there's no position to succeed for a quarterback here okay so I mean you tiptoed around it and this is a question a lot of people are going to ask um not look relieved of GM duties is a, is a harsh way to put it but there's yeah. a lot of people talking about um you know is, is Bill the right guy to rebuild the team uh maybe thinking is antiquated. The league has changed. He's drafting guys that would have been effective for teams or for the game or, or maybe five, six years ago. And that the, the things have moved so fast in a different direction. It looks like the Patriots are so far behind the times, just in terms of what type of personnel the best teams have at their disposal. And then you look at the Patriots and you say, we've got none of those guys. Like, you know, certainly on offense and not, not on the defensive side of the ball, but certainly on offense, that looks to be the case. Uh, Defense bill was way ahead of the curve on the cornerbacks are more important than, uh, than, uh, than edge rushers loaded, loaded up with terrific D backs uh, and plugged and played with enough people like your Van Noyes and your Collins to create pressure, set the edge and do whatever you needed to do there to have a dynamite defense. So that the defensive game plan, I think still is sound in terms of what it is that they think they need to do to be successful. Um, But offensively, I don't know that they know what it, what type of players that they need anymore. I think the skill talent is really where it stands out the most is that they have failed over the last couple of years when they draft those types of players to understand how the athlete is going to translate in the NFL game. Nikhil Harry and Sony Michelle looked like great athletes, great athletes in the college game. Nikhil would take a screen pass and reverse it the field and go all the way out, you know, 60 yards to the house on a, a throw behind the line of scrimmage. Sony Michelle was running all over, you know, Oklahoma, 
and, and Alabama and all these teams in, in college, but then he gets to the pros and he's just a pedestrian athlete. So being able to identify which type of athletic talents are going to translate into this next into the NFL game, I think is a really important conversation that they need to have. Now, in terms of Bill Belichick passing over GM duties, anything like That's that, like not happening. Not get carried away. Okay, you know, obviously it's not. No, you just want to see him change his thinking a tad because he has yeah. been in the past ahead of the game on offense as well. His valuing tight ends to create mismatches all over the field, valuing uh, receivers who were versatile like your Amendolas and your Edelmans and this Welker. He created that position, you know, that that didn't exist as a weapon before. That was just some guy plugged in there because he was short and out of position and they turned it into a massive weapon that other teams completely rebuilt defenses around to scheme you know there's uh he's one of the first guys to devalue the running back you know when you're just plugging ben jarvis green ellis in there and saying this will be fine until he took one in the first round you know but again and that actually makes you think what that that happened after people stopped valuing running backs really high and he's thinking Five years ago, this player is going top five, and I'm getting him at 20-something right now. So there is value in that. They just they got the wrong guy. If you did that with Chubb late in the first round versus Sony, you'd be like, bang, Bill did it. So, again, even that, I like that because when the value came down, then they pounced at it. He's never really liked uh, chasing, you know, these flashy high-priced things. The cost that it takes to draft a uh, – the 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 edge rusher or to pay them in free agency or the receiver they just make way too much money to make sense in a salary cap universe for the patriots so he tends to avoid those it's just honestly his draft strategy in a lot of ways has actually the the analytics community applauds him a lot of the time because of how he values certain positions in the draft and realizes, okay, listen, the, yeah, you, we could go out there and we could trade two first round picks for Odell Beckham Jr. and pay that guy 18 million bucks a year. But it's but not that really it. the best allocation of our resources. Is that really netting wins and losses by bringing any of the Browns are winning without Odell right now, right? You know, the, the, I don't think the history of making those types of trades always works out for like Stefan Diggs and the Buffalo Bills, the way it's worked out in Buffalo so well with Diggs or Arizona and DeAndre Hopkins, you know, those marriages don't always lead to actual production and actual results. So I think that we do sometimes get too caught up in fantasy football. No, I like the philosophy. That type of stuff. It's just missed. The philosophy I think has been sound. If you had sub, who's here, who in the world is having this conversation? If instead of Harry, it was Metcalf, instead of Sony, it was Chubb going after that position there where they did was a smart strategic move. They just got the wrong guys. Right. I mean, again, and also this, and that's where the talent evaluation comes in this outside the box thinking that, Everybody knew they needed tight ends heading into last year's draft. It wasn't a great tight end draft. So the top talents were all available when they took Asiasi in the third round. But instead of taking the top two or three rated guys, which again, rated by whom? Everybody's got their different evaluations. But you take guys that had kind of questionable marks, like Asiasi might have been the consensus eighth tight end and Keen around nine or 10, and none were off the board. And it's not like any of them are lighting it up right now, but certainly... I also have an idea what they're looking for, and it's different sometimes than what other people are looking for. I also think the drafting the last couple of years outside of the Nikhil Harry pick has been fine. I, I, you know, look, you're not going to hit on every single pick. I I don't know. I mean, Kyle Duggar looks like a decent player. Uche looks like a decent player. They got Micah Wenu in the sixth round. You know, those guys can all play. You get amazing. 
you get three guys out of a draft that can all play, that can all you know be starters or be a role players in your team. That's a good draft. You know, the draft before that, they got Damian Harris. They got Chase Winovich out of that draft. It's just been too often that the skill position players that they haven't really been able to hit on that specific you know, position. And it's kind of trickled into the fact that a, they haven't been able to hit on it in the draft and B bill won't spend on it in free agency. He's not going to go out there and sign a wide receiver to $18 million. Right. So that that's not, he's not hitting on it in the draft. He's not hitting on it in free agency because he won't pay for it. And, And that's where the problems that you sort of run into, we can go ahead through this list and i see people in the comments you want me to go through every single team's draft record i can find a for you i'm telling this draft is an inexact science guys it's not an easy thing to do i rate all these guys i am wrong all the time i thought that you know certain guys were going to be great players that are not great players that's just what happens and i'm not bill belichick and i'm not nick casario you know i'm I'm just a a guy with a laptop that you know that that knows what he's watching right so ultimately it's not an easy process you're much more than that evan you can go through every single team's draft and figure out okay this this guy's you know was a bust that guy was a bust you know the the seahawks drafted rashad penny in the first round a few years ago running back who is a complete bust he doesn't well, play for knee injuries too but yeah yeah, yeah but, right. yeah, that, that's, but he that's, got passed by carson who was not you know a blue chipper right. you know like like right. penny Right. And that's the thing is that we can go through this all the time. Right. But ultimately, they did come away the last couple of drafts with three, maybe four guys that they can hang their hat on in those drafts. And I don't see what is right wrong about any of that, to be honest. And and, and we have to ultimately think about the draft differently here, because I think that every single time they pick a guy in the first two rounds, he's expected to be an all pro. And that's just not how it works. For any today's NFL, you expect them to be contributors right away. And if they're not, it happens. But you know, that's that's what it is. Right. So ultimately, we're going to talk about this all off season. Who should they pick? And you know, what's the wrong with their draft? I think their draft strategy over the last couple of years has been totally fine, outside of of course the Nikhil Harry pick over the the guys that they had in that spot. But other than that, I, I don't really think it's been a terrible uh, recent draft record for Bill Belichick, and we should really you know allow him to you know make some more opportunities here to pick pick some more guys. But with the quarterback position. I know you're going to get a ton of questions on that. I think that you need to really think about a conversation of, do you want to take your chances on a high upside, you know, type of player versus a guy that is maybe a little bit more polished, you know? So I think Kyle Trask last night played a fantastic game for Florida. He was really solid in that game, consistent, poised, made a lot of really great throws, but there is a conversation to be had there about, you know, kind of, is he have the middling arm talent, not really an athlete, you know, what, what, what's his ceiling as a player versus a guy like a Trey Lance, who's going to be rated extremely high, but is going to have issues with, you know, sort of not a finished product like a Josh Allen or like somebody like uh, Jordan Love or someone in that kind of conversation. So where do you go for there? Do you go with high upside? Do you go with low seal, uh, low floor? That's in the first round. Typically, I, I would say, you know, you don't go with the low floor player in the first round. You go you go you go big. Right. Uh, if you're going to talk about more of like a second round guy than a guy like a Trask or uh, maybe a Mac Jones or someone like that becomes more a part of the conversation. 
Yeah. All right. Well, that's, this is going to dominate uh, most of the conversation going forward because we are officially at the point where we are looking towards next season. Uh, again, the Patriots are eliminated from the playoffs, failed to make the playoffs for the first time since 2008. Um, they lost to Miami 22 to 12. This is the first time the Patriots have failed to eclipse the 500 mark since the year 2000. So um, it is kind of a big reality check moment here where uh, if anyone holding out hope uh, what was going to happen here with this team, uh, it didn't. Uh, they are who they are. You are, you, what do they say? Oh, yeah, you are what said. you are. Yeah. Um, and the Patriots I'm very much are, with you. they are very much a six and eight team. Um, yeah. And I don't think there's, I don't think a lot of people would argue that they're much better or, or truthfully much worse than that. Um, so the other story I think that was um, interesting, uh, and now I've seen updates, uh, Evan, here, a couple, one for me and Rappaport. Um, so Stefan Gilmore left the game. Uh, it looked like, almost looked like two leg injuries. It looked like uh, something happened with his left leg causing his right leg to buckle. Like he yeah. pulled a hammy or a cramp or something. His left leg went stiff and his right leg kind of buckled hyperextended wasn't sure everyone gets freaked about a non-contact injury now the latest report i'm seeing is not necessarily knee uh it's the leg possible he dodged a bullet yeah um, and by bullet meaning reconstructive surgery that could compromise the beginning of next season for him and again something like that yeah obviously this is super important for the patriots because gilmore is uh, a really important off-season figure for them uh, because mainly people think that he is going to be traded and he might be that trade chip that gets you up in that first round into quarterback land. He may be the guy that just gets you a second uh, high pick somewhere where you can address multiple positions of need early. One way or another, he is the best asset that they have right now and losing him would have been devastating for the Patriots, but certainly for him as well, because we know his contract situation. He held out without holding out earlier in this year. The Patriots gave him a little bump to get him into camp. He came in. Um, he wants to get paid. He's uh, on the last next year is the last year of his uh, of his deal. Yes. Next year is the last year of his deal, which was top of market when it was this signed. Is, this is the Revis situation all over again, right? The player wants another big money contract. It's not going to come from here. Trading him is the main thing that makes the most sense. So you hope the injury from that perspective is not serious. I hope the injury is not serious just because Stephon Gilmore is a good guy. And I hope he's, he's a not good guy hurt. and he deserves what he gets, even if he doesn't right. get it here. Right. But on top of that, for the team's perspective, it's very important that this injury isn't so big. I think the, the, the situation, the scenario that you just played out that the Patriots sit wherever they're at, maybe it ends up being 12, 13, something like that. Take the best available skill player, right? That's what I would do. At least I'm not saying the Patriots are going to do this. They'll probably take a nose tackle or something like that, but take the best available skill player there and then trading Gilmore for another top 50 pick. So you can get back into the conversation for a Kyle Trask, or you can get back into the conversation for, you know, maybe one of the drafts, you know, best edge defenders or right. something like that. You know, that's a really interesting formula to me because I don't think that they're going to be in range, unfortunately, to, to pick some of the better quarterbacks in this year's draft. I really expect Fields, Lawrence, and Lance to be long gone before the Patriots make their pick unless Which they means, Which means you need your Jimmy G, basically, you know? Right, Wh right. Whatever so, it is, who, who you identify as the guy 
if he's there, that might be your opportunity. Right. So if you can trade Gilmore for the 40th pick in the draft, you know, the 10th pick or whatever that is, the eighth pick of the second round or something like that, and you you come out of the first night of the draft and Kyle Trask is still sitting there on the board, then you can maybe then get your best available player at 13 on your board and then also still get your quarterback, you know, and that's, I think, a really good formula to, to sort of go off of. I think trading Gilmore for a veteran receiver might not be a bad idea either you know flipping him for let's say like a Zach Ertz or someone like that you know that that's a that's a big time pass catcher maybe you can you know take from a strength at at cornerback and trade it for a weakness at tight end or wide receiver that's certainly an option I think packaging him together with your 13th overall pick or whatever and ends up being to try to get into that quarterback range I don't know if he has that much value you know I, I don't know if the prospects of having him under contract for one more year and then having to give him an extension is really that much value to a team picking in that range of the draft, unless it's maybe like Dallas, for example, who just thinks that they're a Gilmore away with Dak coming back from being super competitive. I guess you could probably talk Jerry Jones into that sort of trade, but ultimately I think the best scenario for the Patriots are the one that might actually end up playing out is that high end second round pick low end first round pick for Gilmore so that you can add another pick in that top 50 to go ahead and get another sort of blue chip type of prospect. Yep. And again, it's, you, you really want to throw as much volume there at that, at those positions as possible, uh, not only to, to, to gain depth, but again, if you miss, you miss, but if you take more shots at it, it's more likely that you're going to hit somewhere. So again, um, you know, you can't, this team can't possibly uh, draft enough uh, skill position players. Uh, they won't. They'll, they'll draft a linebacker, a 250-pound linebacker. They'll draft a 320-pound nose tackle. They'll draft a guard to replace Joe Tooney. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm being like a little bit facetious here, but like ultimately not really. But it wouldn't be stunning. No, it, it ultimately not really. And I think that that's... A that's Ted Johnson sort of, type. Yeah, that's the sort of type of thinking that I think that they... And or if they're truly going to turn this thing around and not go into like a true lull after Tom Brady leaves, they need to swing for the fences. They can't try to hit singles, right? They have to hit home runs with their draft picks, with their free agent moves. They need to really go out there and, and do some something to make a splash. And I'm not just talking about signing some guy that everybody's heard of or something like that. I'm saying that they need to go about this a whole lot more aggressively than they have in the past because they don't have Brady. He's not walking through that door. Right. So if they're going to be a team that is going to be a middling six and 10, seven and nine type of football team for a long time, if they try to go around with this same kind of attitude of, oh, you know, we're going to take the D2 safety who it looks like a decent player. Don't get me wrong. Kyle Duggar looks good. But at the same time, that was not the splash pick in that situation. That was not trading up a few spots for Justin Jefferson or CeeDee Lamb. Right. Yeah. Right. That was that was the the Belichick pick. Yeah. Right. And I think Duggar's going to be a really good player. I wrote about him a couple of weeks ago. I think he looks like a stud potentially, but it's just not the type of pick that they can afford to make anymore without Brady in the building. They have to be able to be a little bit more aggressive and be a little bit just in all walks of it, free agency. And they have $80 million in cap space. They cannot be signing the, you know, the, the, the $6 million receiver when they have $80 million. Nor can you wait for the round two of signings. You got to be aggressive and you got to get out there early. And they've done that before. It's funny because there is a, there is a, a vibe around the team that they don't. 
and they sit out free agency. They do a lot of times, but when they want a guy, they they, they come knocking on people's doors on day one, and they've done it before. Um, and this year, if you with you, right? I mean, if you don't use this money, right. <laughs> it's it, right. it, there's no sense in having it. So um, again. This will dominate all, uh, you know, everything we talk about for, for you know, for the rest of time here, um, uh, because it's the number one story is how do they get back? Nobody likes what they saw. Patriots are eliminated from the playoffs. It's a weird feeling around here. I think people are just going to kind of be walking around talking to themselves like, what do we do now? Um, it's strange to not have uh, Patriots football in January and February. Uh, the majority of my professional career uh, was spent knowing that you're playing into the last weekend in January and probably going somewhere kind of warm for a week or so to cover a Super Bowl. And that was really nice. And I enjoy doing that. And I'm going to miss doing that because it, you know, it, it might was be a long time before it might be a long time. And it was quite a run. And it was uh, something that we're very fortunate to have gotten to do as much as we did it. Uh, and it's a very, very weird time. You know, the conversations we'd be having right now is, oh, geez, I hope we don't have to pay for travel uh, to go. Like, let's lock in those two home games so we only have to spend money to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, this is where they are. Patriots lose. Want to tell again, people about our uh, sponsor legends brand, really comfortable uh, outerwear, uh, outerwear, I should say like sweats, sweatshirts, um, hoodies, really comfortable, both for uh, the athletic, uh, you know, people there among you or just to wear around the house, super comfy stuff. Use the code Horford 20, 20% off your next purchase. It's really high end gear at affordable prices. You had that 20% discount on top of that. Um, then you've really got a nice, uh, nice piece of apparel there. Um, that's it. Pats lose, failed to make the playoffs first time since 2008. Evan, final thoughts before we sign off. I think that you're looking at a different quarterback on this team next year. And if you're not or next week, then that's it. Yeah. Or next week. Uh, but in terms of just next year, I think you need to look at a different quarterback or we're coming into the point with this offense and this quarterback and skill players that were in that definition of insanity territory, right? Where you just yeah. keep on doing the same thing and thinking you're going to get different results. And if they would just run it back next year with Cam Newton and this group, then we're in trouble. That would be surprising. And again, but then again, nothing, nothing they do would be actually surprising, but um, okay. So that's where we're at. We're still going to be doing this. we got a couple more games left and I do think the conversation is going to get really interesting. I actually think Evan, the next two games, if they go somewhat like we think uh, with potentially a new quarterback, so we have something to talk about. That's there'll all. be a lot of stuff to talk about yeah. and stuff to evaluate. So while this season is going to end, in two weeks, there's still a ton to cover there, and we're already in off-season mode. So uh, keep an eye on everything that we do on CLNS Media. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Um, that's PatriotsPressPass.com. Uh, uh, um, no, I'm sorry, a Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. You can get uh, uh, notifications every time we go live. We're going to be doing Patriots podcasts during the week uh, and then post-game shows as well. Um, but yeah, please subscribe if you haven't already uh, and follow Evan Lazar, CLNS Media. He'll have a write-up on today's game, 10 Things We Learned. And next week on our YouTube channel, we're going to have a series of quarterbacks. We're going to be looking at them one at a time. Uh, who might be a good fit? And we're not looking at the draft yet. We're going to be looking at some of the names out there, uh, what it would take to get them, whether or not it would be worth it. So uh, make sure to keep it uh, with CLNS Media for that as well. So for Evan Lazar, I'm John Zanis. We'll uh, see you guys later. 